Welcome to Black on the Scene. I'm Dee Dee Brown, back with my co-host and partner, John Gist. And woo, our guest today is Victor Jackson, a multi-hyphenate who uses music, dance, and drama to make the world a more beautiful place. As a Black gay man, Victor has committed his life to using art as a tool to shift the perception of people who look and love like him. A choreographer, vocalist, and actor, Victor was born and raised in the South Side of ATL with educational and artistic reinforcement from Tri-Cities High School and Savannah College of Art and Design. His point of view and choreography style has dazzled national audiences, allowing him to work with Candy Burris, Lil Wayne, Iggy Azalea, August Alsina, Jennifer Hudson, and more as a choreographer and creative director. Most recently, this amazing multi-hyphenate appeared in the critically acclaimed Strange Case episode of HBO Max's hit show Lovecraft Country, one of mine and John's favorite. As an R&B artist, Victor has opened for Tweet, Kiki Wyatt, and more. His latest LP, Man, Music, Magic, is available on all digital platforms. Victor has been doing his thing for years, and that goes all the way back to our days at Tri-Cities High School in East Point, class of 2003. As long as I can remember, Victor has been in the spotlight on stage, his style, dancing, and all-around personality. And fun fact, he actually was voted most talented and most unique in high school. And as Dee Dee read, he has all of the receipts to prove it. I also want to call out that Victor has also served as an international teaching artist with the Broadway Dreams Foundation for the past four years and facilitated workshop with the arts education program of Kenny Leon's True Colors Theater Company. And you might have seen my friend on episodes of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, Braxton Family Values, and guest starring roles on BET's The Game and Step Up. So this man has all the receipts and every kind of performing medium that you can think of. Victor, we are so happy to have you today to talk to us about your journey in this business. And welcome to the show. Victor, 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 Oh Victor. my gosh, guys. <laughs> Victor, wow. you know, we, 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 go, we go hard on our intros. We got to go hard on our intros. <laughs> I am overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. Um, I saw a post, a story post yesterday um, on Trappy Hour. Shout out to Trappy Hour. Um, and it was like, what would you, what would your 12-year-old self have to say about you today? And I was like, my 12 year old self would be like, bitch, you did it. Like, you really, <laughs> yeah, you really did yes. it. Like, yeah, we did it. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be here with you all as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. How, so, how are you doing? How's everything going right now? Um, everything is going well. Everything is so interesting, like how we're still in a pandemic, mm-hmm. but like work is picking up again. And so, I'm, I'm navigating that. I got two shots and um, I'm navigating that and just, you know, uh, trying to stay balanced, trying to not let the pace of getting back to, I'm using air quotes, normal, um, take me out of just like the rest and the grace that I established for myself during quarantine. Right, right. Um, so I want to start off. So Victor and I obviously went to high school together. So I've known him for a very long time. And again, as I mentioned in my intro, you know, he has always been singing, 
he was walking around the hallways of Tri-Cities in rhinestone jeans and t-shirts, if you remember those days, Victor. Yes, um, yes. He was acting in all the theater programs. And for people listening, Tri-Cities High School is this world-renowned high school um, that has an amazing visual and performing arts magnet program. And Victor and I both were a part of that. But Victor, I want to go back to those days, right? Because I remember yeah. you had your hand in everything, right? Like you were... <laughs> you were just a creative, like you were just a creative by nature and, and you just were expressing yourself and how you dress and what you were doing, your performances in every aspect of that. Let me, let's go back to that. Like, let's go back to like ninth, 10th, 11th grade, 12th grade Victor, right? And who that person was. And what did you feel like you, that, that like you really were going to do in life? Like what was like that, that, that thing that you were like, okay, this is Victor. When I go, I'm going to do this. Cause I remember you had a clothing line. Like you had a <laughs> lot of different things going on. Like, but what was like that big, that, that moment of passion for you? Like, what was that? Like one thing that you had to say, was it singing? Was it the dancing? Which was it? Um, honestly, like, and I'm, I'm being like dead serious with you. My mom, when I was 17, and this was like getting ready to get ready for college and like, deciding colleges and all those things and she was like well what do you want to do when you grow up because as you just said I did have my hand in everything um and I told her I was like I want to sing dance act and work in fashion and she was like but which one and I was like I want to do all of them and she's like well you can't do all of them <laughs> and my answer literally was if Diddy and JLo can do all of them I can do all of them too like literally that was my answer. And for a long time, just as like a sensitive artist, um, I held that conversation with me. Um, and it was like a trigger. It was like, oh, my mom told me that I can't do what I want to do. And um, and it was like an Achilles heel. A lot of times I would go into situations that were perfect for me and I would self-sabotage because I always heard that voice in my head. And um, in therapy, I was encouraged to like have a conversation with my mom about that and she was like no it it wasn't that I didn't think that you could do it it was that I had never seen it done and I think the the beautiful thing about it about you know having this moment of being like I want to do everything and I want to do everything good that's that's a, a a thing to point out but um I wanted to do everything and so I made sure that throughout my career I gave when it was time for me to like just devote my energy to one thing or another thing I, I would but um I was always I was always like intent on being a multi-hyphenate artist I love that I love that um what you said about your mom because my mom was actually the same thing and I know our, our moms know each other too so that's so <laughs> funny that you said that uh because I remember going into marketing my mom's like what is marketing like what do you mean you're gonna make a career out of marketing and it's like you need to be a teacher I was like like she it was it was so uncomfortable for her that she couldn't even fathom the idea of me making and being successful in that career now now today literally I'm like I did it honey and, did it. And, did and, it. and to your point it was like she just had never seen it so mm -hmm. it was like, well, now you see it. Now it's possible. I right. went to LA. I did all these different things. And it's like, okay, now it's like it opened her eyes up to a whole new world. So I, I love yeah. the fact that you said that. My mom definitely wanted me to be a teacher too. Yeah. Like, right. You she know, was like, <laughs> yeah, when I left college, she was like, oh, it'd be really easy for you to be a substitute teacher. All you need is a high school diploma, like, blah, 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 like, D, 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 D. And she was like, I will get you right in the system. I was like, no, no, girl. I don't want to do that. So I went and worked at Red Lobster so I could have flexible hours and um, ran the play. 
Well, let's talk about that, right? Because you are doing so much and you're living by your heart and passions, but the reality is you also got to make some money to take care of yourself. Talk about how you balance that because I think a lot of young creatives and or even people who are looking to transition into something else, they're like, there's so much that I want to do. I don't either know where to start and how am I going to support myself? You're young. You said you got that job at Red Lobster. What were you thinking? How were you auditioning? How were you managing your time? Yeah, um, I was 18 at that moment. And I would, there's a local newspaper here in Atlanta called Creative Loafing. And it's like very arts and culture focused. And in the back of it, you they would have like open mics, they would have auditions, they would just have all these things. And so I would always pick up a copy of Creative Loafing. Um, I had music teachers throughout my life who were very adamant um, and invested in my success. And so they would find out about auditions and they would send it to me. Um, and one thing that I really started doing, there was a dance studio called Gotta Dance Atlanta that I wanted to work out, like I wanted to train out of, but I didn't really have the money to do it. So at the point that I realized these dancers couldn't dress themselves, I would be like, okay, well, bring a suitcase of your clothes to the photo shoot. And I'll go through it and I'll like put looks together with what you already have in exchange for being able to take classes for free. And I, everything was always, it was like a barter system. Let me, I found a lady who was starting a dance agency, but she also owned a boutique. So I would work out of the boutique some hours when I wasn't working at Red Lobster. It was just about finding a way to, and I, I was from Atlanta, so I could really, I knew the little pockets of places where to like hang out and where to be and go to Apache for open mic and like all of these things. And I just, I just, I used what I had, which at that point was just creativity. And I made it work for myself. And it's, and, and I think interning, assisting, being an apprentice, finding somebody that inspires you and being able to work under them, um, that helped me as well. So there's no blueprint for launching this career. And you said you use what you had in the moment and you found a way. So as you're proceeding through this, what was the first big break? Because it's a lot of small breaks that get you to a certain point. But what was the first big break that took you, your career to the next level? Yeah. Um... I would say the first big break was um, working with Candy on Housewives. Now, before then, I had already, I had choreographed a tour with Lil Wayne. Um, I had started doing artist development. I had developed August Alcino by that point. I was working with Iggy Azalea at that point. And they were both like new artists coming up. But like Candy went to Tri-Cities. Candy is basically the patron saint of Tri-Cities High School. And, <laughs> and literally we heard for four years, if you work hard, if you're successful, you could be like Candy. <laughs> and so being able to work with her and be on TV, like this was Bravo. This was the second season of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Everybody around the world, I was getting tweets from South Africa, I was getting tweets from Australia. I, it was just like crazy. And all we were doing were like, flying above like it, it wasn't even like 
a a dance phenomenon, if you will, but um, that gave me a level of visibility that I hadn't had in a long time, well, in a long time ever. Um, And so that really helped like launch my, it became a calling card for me and people knew me and people knew me around town and everything like that, but it allowed audiences around the world to see my face and to see my work. So I would say Candy, working with Candy on Housewives was the first like big break. And, and, and I want you to, to unpack that a little bit more too, Victor, like tell the audience is what you were doing with Candy. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, from, from every, I know, I know a lot of things you, you touched in her world, but like this, yeah. you know, just a few things you were, you were doing. With yeah. I mean, like at that initial point, I was, it was just choreography. I met Candy at a birthday dinner for her best friend, Kwame. Um, I was a plus one of my best friend, Derek J. Um, and we were all sitting together. We went to dinner. Then we went to this open mic. Um, the host of the open mic that night, it was like Joy and Anthony David. And they were like, come on stage, Victor. We want you to dance with the band. And I was like, okay. And I'm just like freestyle dancing with the band and living my life. India Reeves randomly there. It's just like this whole moment. And I go back and sit down next to Candy and she was like, hey, I'm about to be on Housewives. You want to be my choreographer? And I was like, Okay. First season, just choreography. Second season, she went on tour with Fantasia. Um, I choreographed and and did creative direction for the tour, taught voice parts to the background singers, and also designed their costumes. Then after that, she wanted to do a stage play. So we did A Mother's Love, and I was a casting associate on that and a choreographer on that. Then she wanted to do um, Welcome to the Dungeon. And so choreographer creative direction for that also there was a spinoff the candy factory and i was a choreographer on that and um most recently i've been doing creative direction for bedroom candy campaign so i did creative direction for the valentine's day campaign this year and for her virtual pride campaign that we did last year i mean let's talk you said so much and i don't consider myself a creative um, I have a little bit of creativity, but there's creativity and passion oozing out of like everything that you're doing. You're really tapping to all the things that you said you wanted to do. How are you managing the energy that you're putting into all of that, right? Because there's not, there's, you're, you're having to think different ways or are they all looped together? Just give me, give us a, a little window into how you're processing creative direction, choreography, art, how you're like, how you see it in your mind. Yeah, for for a while, um, for a chunk of my career, about seven years of my career, I didn't sing at all. Like I didn't pursue music at all. And that was as a result of my brother Vaughn passing in 2008. And I just kind of stepped back because we sang together growing up. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sing. And I didn't sing for seven years. And I just focused on choreography and creative direction. And what that did was it accelerated that path to a point where I learned all the systems and all the practices that I needed to do both like in the studio and kind of like sending invoices, managing my time, scheduling rehearsals, knowing, you know, the booking people at SIR in LA and the people at SIR in New York and the people at Center Stage and in Atlanta and just like building those relationships. So now that I'm like in this place where I'm working on music again and I'm also like dipping my toe into acting again as well. Um, now I kind of 
I know what choreography demands of me. Um, I have a team of assistants um, that I can pick from based on like what job is coming up. And so I make sure that I have reinforcement around me at all times. I'm very clear with like how I see things, um, but I know that I wouldn't be where I am in my career if somebody didn't give me a chance to shadow them and to work with them and to invest in their vision. And so I have really honestly like very, very much in like the last year been seeking out like young creatives who are looking for an outlet, who are looking for training, who are looking to shadow somebody and like get their chops up while they're still working their day job. And uh, they're not at the place where they want to transition yet, but they're at a place where they like want to listen to the voice that's inside of them. And honestly, what I see is this like mutual exchange. Um, I'm able to get the assistance that I need, but they're able to get the experience that they need. And um, I'm not one of those like exposure girls you're working for exposure. Like you'll at, at the bare minimum, you'll get gas money um, but <laughs> and a good meal because um, I like to eat. But um, it is really it, it is help. It's building a team. That is the only way that I'm able to balance in the way that I balance. I do acknowledge that I have a gift. I do acknowledge that I see things kind of in this full circle moment. So if I hear a song, I see, I see the setting, I see the movement, I see the references, I see the wardrobe, I see the hair, I see the team who can get all of it done. Like I see things in that way. And Tamar Braxton, one time we were um, getting ready for a show and there was something in the choreography that just kind of like threw her off. And she was like, uh, I don't know if I like that. Like, can we do something else? And I was like, give me one second. And I like stopped and I was like, okay, let's do this. And boom, 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 boom. And she was like, that's a gift. She was like, like, stop. Like, just like lift your hands. And I just wanted to say to you, you have a gift. You have a God-given gift to see things that people can't see, to see solutions that people can't see. And I realized that my gifting operates in the entertainment industry, but um, that it's the gift that keeps me going. It's the gift that makes room for me. And so I try to make sure that I have the team around me to execute that vision always because it's the gift. And um, I've always wanted to do the gift justice. And it seems like you're doing it more than justice, leaning into your gifts and talents that the good Lord gave you. Um, I want to just unpack a couple of things that you said. The training is so key and you don't miraculously know how to do something. You have to do it to learn it. Talk a little bit about this balance of being a creative and also a business person because you are, you are your business but you still have to invoice, payroll, know how to send proper business emails all of those things. And I have had the opportunity to work with folks that are creative and sometimes they don't have the business acumen to operate in a corporate or professional setting. Talk about that balance, how you can just learn more of these things. Are there resources that people can go to that you might've used or can refer them to? Um, yeah, I've, I've always had friends like John, like um, our mutual friend, Tracy Pickett, who is my god sister, um, who work in the corporate space. And I ask questions. I, I, am not a, I am not a person that's like, oh, I don't know. 
I'm just going to like fumble through. No, I'm going to find somebody who I trust, who I know is, um, who I know will, I can come to them in a full transparency and say, this is something I don't know. Like, what would you do? Like, blah, 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 blah. And, and I collect that information as I go. Like now I have invoice templates. Literally I could go in and it's like, the biggest thing is establishing efficiency. Like creativity doesn't always land itself to efficiency because creativity is like going with the flow feeling the vibe, you know, being inspired, like, but um, a, a friend and mentor of mine, Danye Arlove, uh, he's a playwright, an incredible playwright, he said, um, you know, discipline is what steps in when inspiration runs out, and that is the thing, I can go into, I can go into a rehearsal, and I could flow into an eight count, and we could find a moment, I could listen to music, we could find the melodies and the harmonies and all those other things but when it comes to like running a business you have to have systems of systems in place so that it becomes efficient and so a lot of the discipline has come in establishing those systems when the world shut down last year the first thing I did was recut my choreography reel design a new press kit and update all my resumes and I was like I'm gonna be ready for whatever happens when it happens, like wherever it goes down, let me take this moment. And a lot was going on during, during the pandemic, during quarantine specifically, like the front half of the pandemic. Um, my great grandmother passed um, April, 2020 from COVID. I moved out of an apartment. I moved back in with my parents. Like it was just, it was a lot going on. And I really had to like sit in myself and be like, okay, what do I, what do I need to put my energy towards? Because there was nowhere, I couldn't run to rehearsal. I couldn't run to Berlin to teach a class for two weeks. I couldn't run away from all of those things and, and really sitting in that moment and saying, okay, with the time that I have, let me create what I can. And it was a real, it was, you know, a new press kit. It was uh, resumes and all those things. And I think if we just take the moment as cre as creatives, if we just take our downtime and commit a percentage of our downtime to efficiency practices, then we won't find it so hard or such a heavy lift to, you know, do bookkeeping, do invoicing and all those things because we'll have systems in place to make sure that we're good. This is so just this could work for anybody, not just creatives. You're saying there are tools you need to do the job that you have to run your, the business of being you, whether you're a creative or a professional or not. You said that you needed to update your reel. You needed to also update your press kit. Are there any other tools that you would recommend for young creatives starting out or, or anyone who is looking to sort of do some of the work that you're doing or just trying to navigate through life professionally? Yeah, work samples. Work samples are your key. And, and work samples can present themselves in a myriad of forms. Maybe it is video, maybe it is photo, maybe it's just a list on your resume, on your resume. but like gather these work samples and keep them ready. Use them on your Instagram. Don't just, you know, post you and your home folk 
going to smoke hookah, like let your Instagram be a direct representation of what you want to do to make money. And if your lifestyle and all those things lend itself to it, then great. But like I, when Instagram first started, I had a Blackberry. Um, I was a sidekick girl before Blackberry. And like, I was very like, I'm not getting an iPhone. I'm not getting an iPhone. I'm not getting an iPhone. And when we did the candy factory um, for Bravo, they were like, there's this new um, social media app. It's called Instagram. It's only available on iPhone. So like we need everybody to get their Instagram page up before the show comes out so that you can promote from Instagram. So Instagram was always introduced to me as a business tool. And so I've done, I've, you know, I've watched all the webinars and all those things about like curating your Instagram so that it's an editorial or post three to five pieces of content a day and like all those things. Um, but at the end of the day, if people cannot, Instagram is how people are. I've booked dancers off of Instagram. I put videographers and photographers off of Instagram and having work samples readily available makes it easy. So that would be the one thing that I would say, just like gather all your work samples, put them on the website, put them on your Instagram, put them on your social media, put them on your YouTube so that people can always find you and they can always find what you do. That's, I think that is the, the largest thing, the most significant thing right now. Right, right. I love that. I love that. John and I truly hope that you are enjoying this episode of Black on the Scene, but we're interrupting this episode just to ask a quick favor. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, plus leave us a rating after the show. And now back to the episode. Enjoy. Victor, I want to go back and talk about something you, you mentioned before, um, since Didi's been hogging this conversation. I'm, I'm, I got to get a word in finally. The Didi uh, and Victor show. We can do it, Victor. We can do it, love. <laughs> uh, but no, Victor, you are gifted, right? You are 100% gifted in so many talents. And that gift is obviously from God. And I want to just talk about your journey with your faith and how that has been such a um a rock for you you know what I mean of like you know and on those low points in my life I've had to lean on God heavily you know and, and really you know manifest and be intentional about what I'm praying for and what I want like I'm like I want to be successful but like what does that look like what does that feel like right so talk to me about your faith and how it's played a role in your career um yeah I I feel like I'm starting everything with um yeah I don't want to be that guy to all the podcast listeners out there, I'm not that guy. I'm not the um yeah guy. My mom would be very disappointed. Um, yeah, but faith has been really, it's been a tricky journey for me. I went to see Respect last night and watching the role that the Black church played in the trauma of like one of the greatest performers of our time was very interesting to me. And if we go through a lot of artists who we consider to be the greats, we can see how the Black church has afflicted them in one way or another. And as I was starting to study and starting to carve out who I wanted to be in the space that I wanted to hold in the entertainment industry, I really had to grapple with what I had heard my entire life, which was if you if you do secular music, if you work out in the world, you're using your gifts and your talents for the devil. And I had to, I had to come to grips with what that meant for me, because my dad's a pastor, um, and he's been preaching. Since he was ordained a minister in 1991, 
And so, and I was born in 1985. So for a very large part of my cognitive existence, those ideals were what were, it's what I heard around me all the time. Homosexuality is a sin. It's an abomination. You're going to hell. Men act like men. Women act like women. Women wear skirts all the way down to the floor. They don't wear makeup. They got like, they don't wear flashy earrings, all those things. And so all of these things went directly against, you know, the Emerald City Ballet and the Wiz, which I was obsessed with. You know what I mean? It went directly against all of these things that I'm seeing in these movies and these films and sweet charity and fame and all these things that were inspiring me. And so uh, when I was 20, I want to say when I was like 28, 29, like around the time when I was living out in LA for a bit, um, I started going to one church and I read this book called Purpose Awakening by Tere Roberts. And it helped me see the value of what I was doing in the spaces that I was doing it in. And it, it helped me see that my ministry um, didn't have to just exist within the four walls of the church. And around that time, I started tapping into the fact that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has a plan for my life and that it will reveal itself in the spaces that God places me in. And as soon as I downloaded that, I would go to rehearsal, a dancer would come up to me and be like, hey, can we pray right quick? Just like me and you, can we, can we pray? I'm just feeling like my mom's in the hospital. Do you mind if we just go to the side and pray? Um, I remember when we were on the dungeon tour, like Candy's stepfather passed, Tamar's niece passed. Like everybody was like going through stuff. And I started praying before every show. And Candy had posted a video of us praying and the comments were like going crazy. Like, how are y'all praying? What Jesus are y'all praying to before y'all go out there and do this show and blah, 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 blah. And she called me and she was like super distraught. She was like, you know, I thought I was just sharing this special moment with the world. And I was like, well, you know, everybody's not going to get everything. You have to think about how people have been indoctrinated. You have to think about how people have been taught to help, to hate their bodies, to hate their sexual orientation, to hate their gender identity because of something, because of the culture of the Black church. And I was like, you can't undo that in one post. You know why we were praying. You know how your life was affected by that prayer. You know how your performance was affected by that prayer. You know how the audience was affected by the manifestations of that prayer. And that's all you can do. And so like, I have really, really, my faith now is outside of the confines of the four walls of the church. And it is really rooted in being of service in every space I enter. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus Woo. was of service in every space he entered. And that's it. Victor. You said a word. You said a you word. You took us to church. You took Victor. us to church. That, that, that is, I, 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 I'm glad we, I, I, I love that you said that. Like that, that really, really, really touched me. Like I'm, I'm slightly lost a word. So those are so beautiful and so heartfelt and so genuine. Because I know, I, I, I know what that journey has been like for you. And it's just like, I, I love the fact that you saying that realization at that point in life of like, this is how I'm moving forward and how I'm going to maneuver with this is, is completely, I get it. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, um, yeah. Victor, you know, quarantine, COVID, this pandemic, it's been crazy to say the least. And the racial reckoning. The racial, yes, yes. The racial awakening, like uh, reckoning, it's been, it's been insane. 
And, you know, Didi and I have a very, very, we, we keep each other up and we, in terms of like, just making sure we are okay, right? And in, in, in all aspects. And I wanna talk to you about self-care and, and mental wellness and how, you, how you've been handling that. And what have you been doing in that to really address that and to, and to protect yourself from it? Because it was yeah. a lot happening. <laughs> it was, oh, it was a lot It was happening. a lot happening. So, and like, even for you, like your career was paused <laughs> for a period of time. You couldn't do anything. You know what I mean? So like, how, how, what did, how did you deal with that? What did you do? Uh, therapy, A, that's first and foremost, therapy. And then listening to my body. Some days my body would say, girl, we stay in bed all day. We're going to stay in a bed all day. And sometimes my body would say, get up, update your reel, update your resume, update your, you know what I mean? It was finding the balance. And, and I found that I wasn't listening to my body before quarantine. I was ignoring it. What, I was ignoring it until it gave out on me. Like, and when it gave out on me, they were like, okay. And then I would sit down for a couple of days and then I would jump back into everything else. I was ignoring it. I was going through so much. And I was, you know, the, that game at Chuck E. Cheese where the heads pop up and you try to hit it. That was my triggers. And they were just like popping up, like back all up and through my life. And I was trying to hit them and I was trying to catch them, missing them every time, getting no points, getting no tickets and not really being able to address the things that have been sitting inside of me for years. And um, through therapy, I really realized the importance of listening to your body. When you feel, when you feel activated, listen to your body and figure out why. What is that? How does activation show up in your body so that you won't ignore it? Um, quarantine was a lot of things, um, but on the, and, and you know, we're still, we're still in this thing. Um, but my relationship with my parents matured and we know each other as adults now. My relationship with my siblings matured and we know each other as adults now. Um, I started a new relationship and I was able to enter that relationship with no, no falsities, no, it was very much like, here's the tea. Do you want some of this tea or not? Um, but also finding somebody who you can be free and open with in that way was also a blessing as well. Because as you are doing the work of like healing your inner child and addressing your trauma and identifying your triggers and all those things, you can be activated at the drop of a dime. Having somebody around you who does not react to your activation in a combative manner is a blessing. And I have realized both in my partner and also in my friends where I really have those gems of connection and being in quarantine has allowed me to lean into that more too, where you can't just go everywhere and be with everybody. You had to be very particular about who you were sharing space with. And um, it made me very intentional about who I share space with. And I really, really do believe that the velocity um, at which my career is going right now is a result of really leaning in to those things, to addressing my trauma, to reparenting my inner child, to creating a circle of safety around myself. And um, it's been crazy. It was, it was, it was, it has been tumultuous. 
but it's also been triumphant in so many ways and I'm grateful for that. Victor, I'm just so in awe of everything you're saying. I'm like, I wish we were here together to give you a hug because I, what I, it's, it, you're, everything is about self-reflection. And I think that's, that's the part about it that's really like, it's like, let's get this dirtiness off. Let's just really like peel back all this and be, and just be real about it. And I think everything you said has gotten, always went back to that. So I, those, these words are so profound and so beautiful. So thank you. We are unfortunately almost out of time because we just, we were in this really deep conversation and it's, it's been magical. It's been, Dede and I are like going back and forth. Like we got to talk about all this stuff. So, um, but I don't want to hold you uh, all day, but I do want to give our audience a time to just, for, and for you to, to talk to us about upcoming projects you have coming up that they can look out for, definitely sharing your website and your social channels with them because listen, Victor Jackson is, is an amazing creative at like just he's, he's voice, dance, style, everything else in between is he's just magical guys. And I'm so honored and blessed to have him as my friend. So I really want everyone to, to, to follow you to, to, to get to learn more about you. So please share any upcoming projects and any social that you have. Yeah, um, you can follow me on everything at Mr. Glamrock Soul. Um, my website is Mr. Glamrock Soul at, as well. Right now, I am the, in the middle of the Man Muse Magic Neat residency here at Parlor Lounge in Atlanta, Georgia. And Come on, residency. Yeah. Come on. I just, I just want to be a lounge singer. Like, I want to be like a really fab. I want to be a mix of Sammy Davis Jr. and Dame Shirley Bassey. And I just want to like wear great trousers and drink out of coupe glasses on stage and like sparkle. But yeah, so we're doing this residency. That's exactly what I'm doing. Um, great pants, coupe glasses, and sparkle. And it's, a, it's an incredible cast, seven Black women. Um, the supporting vocalists are the Muses. The band is Venus the Band. And we have a comedian named T. Sanders who opens the show. But if you're ever in Atlanta on the last Wednesday of a month, come by and see me. My EP, Man Muse Magic, is streaming on all platforms. And the video um, for my single, Groovin, comes out in two weeks. Victor, you are such a bright and beautiful light. Y'all can't see him, but we can see him. He is beaming just love and kindness and creativity and passion. And it has been a delightful conversation with you. As we close out this just magical hour with Victor, We'd love to know, what is your love letter to Black entertainment? What does representation mean to you? How and where was the first time you sort of saw yourself and you got lit up and it led to this wonderful human that you are now? The Wiz has always been a mainstay in my life. It has always been an inspiration for me. I watched The Wiz for the first time when I was in elementary school. I played the Scarecrow in fifth grade. I was in the pit choir of The Wiz at Tri-Cities. I played the Tin Man in a production of The Wiz where Chloe was Dorothy in 2008. It has always sat with me. The Emerald City Ballet has always sat with me. The, the notion that everything that you need is inside of you is what has resonated with me in this chapter of my life. That 
people, the crows may be surrounding you. Your mama may be asking you when you get married. Everybody around you may say you don't have any courage. Your heart may have been broken time and time again, but everything that you need, the healing that you need, the peace that you need is inside of you. And if you take all the effort that you use trying to look for other places and you go inside, your home is always there. And that is what it has taught me in this version of my life, but it has taught me so many things. And the WIS continues to inspire me and show me the power of Black brilliance in all its forms. The WIS, I love the WIS. It's so beautiful. Victor, Dee Dee and I are so thankful to have you on the show. We could probably be talking for two to three more hours, realistically. We, there was so much more to unpack. <laughs> So thank you, thank you, thank you for, for joining us today. We are so blessed to have had you and thank you for dropping all those amazing gems and we appreciate it. Yeah. Listeners, I say, okay, go ahead. No, 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 I just want to say that anybody who's listening, creative or otherwise, whatever happened to you in your past is not your fault, but it is your story and you have the power to rewrite it however you want to. I just Victor, want to say that. Victor, I don't know why, but it, I just want to say that it's not your fault, but this is your story and you have the power to rewrite it however you want to. Scratch through it, erase it, rewrite red pens, do whatever you need to do to make this the story that leaves the legacy on this earth that you want to be left for you. And here I go with the waterworks again. <laughs> Didi cries on every episode. <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's not a real episode unless Didi cries. Victor, oh my oh God. Oh my God. That is a, I love um, you. I love you. Thank is, you so much. That's yes. such an amazing way to close out the show. Thank you guys for tuning in to Black on the Scene. We'll see you next time. Victor Jackson is the ultimate multi-hyphenate creative who has learned how to give his gifts justice. He is a creative who never forgot who he was and the dreams he wanted to accomplish. Singing, check. Dancing, check. Creative directing, check. And he's done so much more. Thank you, Victor, for continuing to share your talents and all of your beautiful gifts with the world. John, I mean, Victor took us to church. I absolutely loved his perspective that he shared around the balance of being creative while also making sure to take care of business. He totally schooled us when he stated, the key is to create efficiencies and systems for yourself. So listen up creatives, your art is important, but you also have to be business-minded. Victor, thank you for sharing your love and wisdom. Keep shining, we love you and our Black on the Scene community for spending time with us. Please remember to subscribe, leave us a rating, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Black on the Scene, B-L-K on the S-C-E-N-E. -E.